Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is George and I'm joined by co-host Liam. Hello. And also guest host Jamila. Hello. Nice to have you. Lovely to be here. Oh, it's very exciting. Um, each episode, uh, one of the hosts or a guest, in this case our guest, nominates an album they think is flawless and we talk about why they love it and how they discovered it and why they think it's flawless. Just before we get started, we wanted to let you know that we have a Patreon. You can back us from as little as $1 a month and there's content bonuses at 5 and $10 a month. You can find us at patreon.com slash flawlessamp. That stands for a music podcast. It does. Thanks, Liam. <laughs> I needed you to, I needed that mansplaining. Re- that. Yes. <laughs> so, Jamila, you've brought an album to us. Would you like to tell us what album you've brought and why? Yes, I have brought To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Gather your way, take a deep look inside. Are you really who they are the lies? To pimp a butterfly. At first I did love you. But I just wanna fight. Late nights thinking of you. Until I got my nut toss and turn. Lesson learned. You was my first girlfriend. Bridges burn all across the board. When I get signed, homie, I'm at Kaboo. Hit the death blow, strobe lights in the room. Snatch your little secretary, bitch, for the homies. Blue eyed devil with a fat ass mouth. I'ma buy a brand new cutty on Vows. Truck the hood up two times, do slow. Plan them on everything, plan them on wedding right? Married to the game and a bad bitch. Because obviously, I think it's flawless. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just has such a rich, deep history of um, the black experience. Mm-hmm. Given that it's an American black experience, but I found it very interesting as a black woman to learn about. Awesome. Mm. So you sing a lot in your lyrics about being a woman of color, being mm. a black woman, about your skin, and about how that, what that means to you, what it means to the people in your lives, men, etc. So it's, do you feel like you had some kind of kindred like alignment with lyrics in in some of these songs i do whenever i hear any artist talking about the black experience through their music i do feel a kind of kindred spirit and i do feel a lot of respect for that because i know what it's like to write about those things and to you know it, it can be very intimidating to write your truth like that especially when it's about racism in any kind. And, um, yeah, I, I definitely feel a kindred spirit with, with Kendrick and a little connection through this album. Mm. Awesome. Cool. So how did you come about this album? Obviously, I know that it's quite famous. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit famous. Well, an underground indie release at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, it came out quite a while ago and – at the time I was a little bit younger and I only really heard the two major singles back then um, that uh, were All Right and I. And Mm -hmm. I loved them, but I never really looked deeper into it. But I think at this point in my life, I'm starting to hone in on my craft as a producer and make sure I'm making music that is... um, that has lots of influences from lots of different people. And so over the past year or so, I spend my time listening to albums and really deconstructing them in my own time just because I'm like, that's that's me learning. That's like me going to music school. So, yeah, that's how I kind of came across it. It, it was kind of worldwide known as, as a really well put together mm-hmm. piece of art. So I just had to like research it. <laughs> There's there's a lot to deconstruct on this album. That's that's probably my first impression is just mm. when I first listened to it because I mm-hmm. I knew who Kendrick was, but this was the first time I'd really listened to an album all the way through. And even just like pulling apart one song even and all the different lyrical bits but musical bits and sample <laughs> bits, just all the bits on so like so many different yeah. levels. He just he wasn't afraid to just throw lots of different things in there. And if you wanted to mm. do that, I want to know everything about this song. You could spend weeks trying to deconstruct like every line and try and figure out Honestly, what it all references we could do a whole episode about one song mm, totally. and it, it's been really hard to choose what i wanted to talk about mm-hmm. and i i think i'm definitely going to focus on 
the lyrical content more than as much as I would love to focus on all the music just because there's like people like Thundercat and George Clinton and all these and Pharrell all these amazing people that have that have uh given their talents to this album I just I think it it's more important to me personally to talk about the themes in the lyrics, mm-hmm. but I would love to talk about all of the mm-hmm. um, production and all of, oh, even just the bass lines. Yeah. <laughs> They're <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> so there's lots of heavy influences in this record. Oh, this from is yeah. every genre of black music. Absolutely. It's definitely hit me in the face when I, cause I'd yeah. never listened consciously to a Kendrick Lamar song before in my life. Mm. Um, and then Partway through, I was just like, oh, I wish he'd done the the music for the Black Panther movie and then found out that he'd literally <laughs> he done a tribute to the Black Panther movie. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, this makes perfect sense now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I was like like looking up his history and going, oh, that's so cool. Absolutely. Uh, he didn't do the official one, obviously, because every song was explicit and he did like four of the tracks and you're like, okay, yeah, that's, I don't think the MCU would have yeah. that, but, <laughs> but it was still pretty cool. The, the clean versions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He he references so many different decades and links them all in like mm. one line sometimes. It's pretty wild. It's yeah. and it's all black music. Yeah. He's just referencing all the black history of music. He's just mm. yeah, it's incredible. So To Pimp a Butterfly is the third studio album from Kendrick. Um I think mm. he's had just the one since then, or is it two? Uh, not including the Black it's Panther one. one. Just yeah, one more I think since it's then. Just one. Uh it was released on March 15, 2015 by Aftermath Entertainment Interscope Records and Top Dog Top Dog? Top Dog Entertainment. Mm. Yeah, it was basically at the end of 2015, it was the number one album everyone acknowledged. Like it was one of those ones yeah. where it wasn't a slow burn for people to figure out it was a classic. Right away, people knew. So it was the number one on the Australian ARIA charts and the twenty three number 23 for 2015 overall. And it was still in the top 100 albums overall for 2016 and 2017. So mm. as much as we say it wasn't a slow burn and lots of people knew it was a classic straight away, people were still discovering it for like two years later down the track and finding out all the different stuff that was in there. Yeah. Um, and it was also the US Billboard number one and the number 61 overall and the UK number one album as well. So, it, so he did well. He did very well. Out of it, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I saw a million copies sold in the US alone. That was just so, in, in, like just quickly, and then three million overall. Like it, yeah, he managed yeah. to hit mm. be like ridiculous targets when it comes to being a, like a creator of content. He's, yeah. It is massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's I tiny. just can't imagine. I was actually quite embarrassed when I had it, <laughs> and uh, but I like because I I grew up listening to West Coast. I like hip hop G funk stuff and then I was really embarrassed when I was listening to this going yeah okay these are all the people like yeah like Dre yeah. and Snoop and stuff and like his voice sometimes reminded me of Warren G it was yeah. like that soft high like sound and I was mm. like instead of trying to be all you know down and deep and everything else I was like oh okay I really should have been paying attention <laughs> I've been stuck in punk folk world yeah and, yeah <laughs> been missing out on a lot so did you hear it when it first came out? Did you know right from when it first came out that you knew it was a great album for you or was it something you discovered later on? Uh, definitely not. Mm-hmm. I think I was too young and too – I wasn't introspective enough at right. that point. I I think I was too focused on what was immediately in front of my face. So anything that was on the radio was yeah. like my thing at the time. So all of the popular ones I, I got into. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until this past uh, six months that okay. I that I properly listened to it like start to finish yeah. and then decided to research what it was about. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely came on the bandwagon late, but I have loved Kendrick for, <laughs> for years and years. Yeah. <laughs> and has it made you go and sort of listen to some of his other albums as well to see if it's sort of a similar oh, experience? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the album that came before this one, um, Good Kid, Mad City, mm-hmm. um, that album came out when, just as I graduated high school. Right. So it was like my summer of freedom, um, kind of like the soundtrack of me graduating. So I really, really connected to that album and I listened to it heaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I didn't I didn't listen to it properly back then. It was just at face value and I was like, oh, these beats are good. And then um, it wasn't until I researched this album and also – in turn wanted to see where it had come from um that i researched good kid mad city and how that was put together and i don't know if you guys know but that whole album all of the songs are in the space of a day 
it's like one one day story okay. oh, of an cool. album, nice. which I find really nice fascinating. Yeah, it was just it, it's just this album about his upbringing, mm-hmm. which I think is probably quite important um, to talk about if we want to talk about this album because this is after To Pimp a Butterfly is is after the fame and the success yeah. and after having to deal with all that and the influence he's mm-hmm. having to deal with all that. So beforehand it's about him it's this day where he gets up and um and he goes to see this girl who he has a crush on um but she's not there but there's these two guys there that are related to her and they jump him and then he gets really mad goes back to his friends and they say they're gonna scare them with guns and then they they go find them and shoot at them just like warning shots and then um one of the guys one of their guys gets actually shot and dies and then it's about him dealing with that and um and at the end of it it's his parents leaving messages on his phone because he's been gone a whole day um being like I heard what happened um I hope you use this as a turning point and to spread positivity through your music mm. and then this album came yeah. oh wow yeah and this is a really introspective and it's he's just described as conscious hip-hop yeah it's so conscious it's yeah. like I don't think anyone is as introspective as Kendrick. It's pretty crazy. And confidently so. Yeah. This that's what came across in the lyrics when I was listening to this. It was like all of the tracks are put together really beautifully mm. and all of the samples, every all of the people that are joining him. Mm. So I really enjoyed Rhapsody when um, she was working with him. So that was beautiful. Yeah. But when I was researching the lyrics, I was expecting, you know, the typical gangster guns hoes and bitches stuff <laughs> um and then i was like oh this is more like i'm at a slam poetry night it and is somebody is pr- yeah. yeah somebody's just telling me a story um throughout this entire record and it's covering so many issues that as a white woman i will never ever like encounter mm. so yeah. it was just really like laid it out on the line and just said this is what it is Absolutely, and, and even looked at his own privilege as being mm. a rich guy mm. and taking himself away from these situations because, like Compton's not easy. No. Um, so Dre told us that years ago. Yeah. So and was <laughs> and was a producer on the record. So like when I first listened to this, I did no research whatsoever mm. and just went, "Oh, this very much reminds me of like as I said, like the West Coast yeah. Compton sound." And when's like there, there it is. Mm. There, that's where he's from. Probably the thing that's not missing necessarily, but the thing that he doesn't go for is the really big hooky single. Like even the singles, mm. they still have those beats and the hooks. And he could, you feel like he could easily just put five summer jam bangers into an album and it would just like, mm-hmm. it would not be any stretch for him at all. But that stuff doesn't interest him. He's not interested in just regurgitating the stuff that everyone else has done before. Like he wants to tell his stories and he wants to create the soundscapes that he loves and that interest him. Yeah, absolutely. He's not sold out in any way in this no. album just no. to create a banger. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the five singles, mm-hmm. uh, it starts with I. Yep. Then uh, we move on to The Black of the Berry, King Kunta, and All Right, and These Walls. Now, All Right you, and I, you said, were the main ones. That yeah, All Right and me. I... And um, King Kunta were mm-hmm. the three. I didn't yeah. know the other two were singles, actually. Yeah, so they came out. So there was five singles released, and wow. I think they all charted. Yeah, they, they all they all went there. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. Yeah. So it was actually when I, I I got to King Kunta that I listened to it and went, oh, this should be on Black Panther. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, yes. I was just like, this sounds like Wakanda. That I it think does. I, yeah. I literally wrote that in my notes. For the <laughs> nice. So uh, <laughs> lyrically smooth, easy to listen to, but like it just had that vibe. So King Kunta did really well here. It was on the Triple J Hottest 100. I think it was in the top 10 or something for yeah. the year. So that was a single that they sort of grabbed and, and used. So I'd heard I and um, These Walls, I think. Yeah, it must have. Yeah, there were songs that were like, I kind of recognize it, but it must just be from like hearing the radio because I'm not necessarily listening to the radio, but I'm just hearing them come over and they were just so everywhere that I, yeah, they permeated my consciousness without me realizing what mm. they actually were. I'm so oblivious yeah. to everything. And I was just so grateful to listen to this record. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, 
That's so, so good. good. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it starts unapologetically with uh, Wesley's theory. So this oh is where gosh. it's like every genre you could have yes. in a track. You're like, this is setting the scene. We've talked before about albums that have a track or an intro, like when Missy Elliott did an intro, yeah. literally just saying, this is what the album's going to be. <laughs> And this song yeah. for me just went, this is what the album's going to sound like. Um, and, then, and, and then we'll come back to it. But then the last track, he he explains all the metaphors that he used through the album as well. Like yeah. everything's been really deep in metaphor. Like the, even the title of like To Pimp a Butterfly. Oh, what does that mean? Yeah. He just explains it in the last song. He's like, this is yeah. what it means. It's like, awesome. That's useful for me. Yeah, for sure. Like, and this might be the longest album we've, oh no, longest album I've re- reviewed. What was the one, which one was longer that you weren't there for? Magnetic Fields. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, that's that doesn't but count. That's how long is albums. that? That's oh, three, three, three hours and twelve minutes. It's wow. Yeah. Sixty nine love songs, and it's literally sixty nine songs. Three ver- three oh. volumes of twenty three songs each. That's yeah. overwhelming. Yes. I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, like, I usually put like half hour albums on, so it's just like, oh, an hour and eighteen minutes. It I is like, quite. I, well, I, I like, find you, this one quite long. Yeah, mm. I was yeah. like, you better prove it to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was just, I was like. This is a long album. Yeah. I'm taking time out. <laughs> Which is weird because it's like it's it uses that length to secure like this is an epic album. Like it goes for an hour 20. It has to be an epic album. But everything about it is epic. The way he puts it together, yeah. the volume of things that he talks about, like it, it almost didn't need to be that long to still be considered epic. Like if it was 50 minutes but still did all the things that it does, you would still consider it like an epic album, just I guess a shorter listen. Mm. So it was interesting. Mm-hmm. So you went, oh, when we talked about the oh, intro. Oh, it's just Wesley's Theory is just one of my favorite songs of, of the whole thing. And mm-hmm. I think it just hits you in the face, like straight up. Um, I I think Kendrick talks a lot about um, duality um, in his uh, – well, To Pimp a Butterfly even, the, the title. Like Pimp and Butterfly are very – harsh juxtaposed next to each Mm, other totally yeah harsh and and the start of wesley's theory is kind of the exact same thing Mm. because it's got um a boris gardner um sample it's quite harsh the word nigger next to star and Mm. i think it was that song was i think came out in the 70s or 80s something like that when the word nigger was still like quite they hadn't quite reclaimed it as their own yet mm-hmm. and it was like attempting to try and um, reclaim that through this song. Yeah. Um, and then like a big hit me comes and yeah. it's like a James <laughs> Brown huge thing and even the contrast between the softness of the start and like the bass coming in mm. and it getting really funky and really groovy yeah. is really interesting to and me. And even just the total transformation of not even like, oh, we picked that sample because it flows into what comes next. It doesn't. It's no. just here's two parts of things that I wanted to jam together into a thing and it doesn't matter that there's a jagged stop-start stop moment. Yeah. That's, don't care. Like, that's what I want. Yeah, and when I was watching interviews um, uh, with Kendrick talking about the album, he does talk a lot about duality and about contrast and mm-hmm. wanting to put two conflicting things together quite a lot and I think he does actually do that quite a lot in this in this album. Mm. Absolutely. In so many of the songs, it goes. Yeah. it's like three songs put together but, yeah. You, yeah. but you're like, oh, okay. You're taking me on a journey. You're not just trying to play me a track, mm. which is what a lot of artists do. It's just like I've got a, a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, middle eight, verse, chorus, mm. chorus, end. Mm-hmm. And this is like, nah, I've got some spoken word in the middle. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Like, let's let's do that. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed because it just had throwbacks to like the Gil Scott Heron style of mm. like sp- like poetry over music mm. instead of just having to rap or just having to sing. It was going, you can do anything over this. Mm. So he's, he's got that poem that he tells all the way through the album. So though he'll the first part of it, he just tells the first two lines, and then the next at the end of the next song, he tells like four lines of it. 
and then even but then as it goes sometimes the earlier lines will change just a little bit as well so it's mm. not just i'm not just revealing it two lines at a time it's like these are the parts that re- apply to where i'm going and i'm slowly revealing more myself to you as the album goes on yeah the poetry relates to the song that is yeah. before or after which is crazy to yeah. me yeah <laughs> it's the same poem all the way through the album yeah yep. basically mm-hmm. it just adds little bits on and it relates so well and it's almost sometimes it's like a call for help and it's also yeah. just introspective and saying yeah. like hey he's got everything now but mm. he's still in a hotel room and screaming at mirrors mm. exactly mm. so you know you can still be that guy yeah it was really brave and like honest to kind of to bring that into what was going to be this like triple platinum or whatever album yeah because you would think he would know that he was always going to have everyone's attention when it came out because mm. good kid mad city did well enough that everybody was going to be paying attention and figure out what he and wanting to know what he was going to do next so mm. yeah that idea of i'm going to do things that probably not many people do it's pretty much unheard of mm. is just i'm going to go way out there definitely so um for free is the second track yes and that starts with this kind of gospel jazz street. Fuck you, motherfucker. You a hoe-ass nigga. I don't know why you trying to go big, nigga. You ain't shit. Walking around like you God's gift to earth. Nigga, you ain't shit. You ain't even buy me no outfit for the fourth. I need that Brazilian wavy 28-inch. Like kind of female sounds, and I just like was really taken in. Mm. I was like yeah. totally drawn in by that. I was like, oh, hi, that that woman at the start yeah. <laughs> that's like demanding things. Yeah, yeah, I find I find it so interesting. Although I do feel like we we should go back to Wesley's theory just mm-hmm. before. And, oh yeah, because it's like the introduction to um, Uncle Sam, who's like one of the the evil demons of the album. Yeah. Um, and that's where you kind of get introduced to him. And Wesley's theory is all about like corruption and temptation and um, like uneducated people being um, exploited. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's kind of about it's it's where Kendrick is still quite um, quite childish and boisterous, and he's kind of just getting just got signed and he's excited and he's like I I'm going to I'm going to buy heaps of heaps of stuff I'm going to have parties I'm going to there's like a whole I think in the in the first verse he talks about doing all this crazy stuff and having all these crazy parties but it's just reckless spending mm. um which works to the advantage of capitalist America mm. um which kind of is like where Uncle Sam comes in because Uncle yeah. Sam's like, what do you want? Do you want Do you want a house? Do you want yeah. a car? Do you want a guitar? Come here. I can give you everything if you just work for me, like yeah. if you just help me. And um, he's being encouraged by this like oppressive um, establishment that's held him down his entire life in Compton. But it's that temptation of like, oh, well, it's easy. It feels good. Um, so, yeah, that that whole thing is like a, a great introduction and then for free comes mm. and we've got this woman yeah. asking for all these things and being like, if you can't do this, you're not a real man. Yeah. <laughs> I want a weave. I want a dress. You didn't buy me a dress for the 4th of July. Like it's, it's so obviously like consumerist America, like a metaphor demanding all these things from mm. you. And, and she's already got someone else that she's seeing as well. And he's, yeah. he's yeah. providing and he's really great and you're nothing compared to him. And you know exactly. that in the metaphor, she is the metaphor and the character is saying the same thing to the other guy as well. Like, you're, you're not shit. You don't give me anything. This this other guy that mm-hmm. I'm seeing is back to Kendrick again. Like, he's giving me stuff and he's providing. Absolutely. So it's sort of, yeah, it's that. The playoff. The caricature yeah. of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love... The, the musicality in this as well it's mm. so strange it's so interesting for like a mainstream hip-hop album to have this like jazz this dick ain't free i mean baby you really think we can make a baby name mercedes without a mercedes benz and 24 inch rims five percent tint and air conditioning vents hell fucking no this dick ain't free i need 40 acres in a mule not a 40 ounce in a pit pool bullshit matador matador had a door knocking let him in who's that genitals best friend this dick ain't free pity the food that made the pretty and you prosper Tiddy 
juice and pussy lips kept me up notches, kept me up watching. Pornos and poverty apology, no. Watch you bother dick with people that's fortunate like myself. Every dog has his day. Now doggy style shall help. This is like a spoken word mm. as well. And it's so fast, there's so much going on. It's like a quick stream of consciousness from Kendrick. And um, yeah, it's it's kind of him still being quite young and boisterous and talking about um, it's kind of, it's kind of him being like fuck you pay me yeah. to to like <laughs> America he talks about you know um, slavery and what black people went through and um, and all the horrible things that they had to go through and it's like his his payback for that it's like I'm not I'm not free you've done you've done horrible things to me in the past and you've built this country from my ancestors now I'm not free now you need to pay me mm. um yeah his delivery in that song is one of the things that I love about his delivery in a lot of sections in the album which yeah. is it doesn't rhyme and he's not always hitting the same beats either so in theory, in, yeah. <laughs> in theory, that's not rapping. If you're not hitting a beat and you're not rhyming, then it's missing something. But it's not. It's his delivery. It's just, and he, the the aggression and the tone of his voice goes in and out and in and out. And you can tell mm. from his delivery that that's that's what he's communicating. But it's by your traditional standards of what is rapping, you would go, well, that's not. It's just him, you know, visceral, like just saying stuff really, really quickly. And if I tried to do it, you know, what I'm saying oh, now man. is not rapping. I'm just talking. Yeah. Yeah. But when he's doing it, it's like no, no. You can feel the modulation in his voice, and you can feel yeah. it. And it works, it complements with the music yeah. as well. So he's yeah. just, it's really deliberately thought out going, this is how he wants to portray this this piece of information. And it's not about singing it, it's not about shouting yeah. it, it's not about rapping it sometimes. It is just about that, as you say, it's almost a stream of consciousness, but not. It just mm. works so well with the music underneath. And it's got some of it, he even references like people like Snoop back in the day, like with Doggy Star and whatever. And you're like, okay, this is yeah. cool. Like <laughs> you've got so much to say. There's so much going on, um, but it's just a really beautiful piece of work. It is. It just all hits you all at once. Um, another thing I like about the first two songs is that there is there is a hint of power in that he's got money and he's he's fighting and he's like asking for things and fighting against oppression. But there's also this hint of like, I don't know if you're doing that in the right way. At mm. this point, he's he's just kind of annoyed and finding his way at this mm. point. And it, ultimately, it's like self-serving and not – there's no mention of like community or religion yeah. or anything, yeah. which he'll come to find later. Then it's the third single. So what we mentioned already is King Kunta. I'm mad, but I ain't stressing. True friends, one question. Where you and I was walking. Now I run a game, got the whole world talking. King Kunta, everybody wanna cut the legs off him. Kunta, black man taking no losses. Oh yeah. Bitch, where you and I was walking. Now I run a game, got the whole world talking. King Kunta, everybody wanna cut the legs off him. When you got the yams. What's the yams? The yam is the power that be. Oh yeah. This is the one that made me think of Wakanda, the place, mm. <laughs> yeah. um, and just imagined him there. So that was pretty awesome. Um, lyrically so so desperately intelligent and then the music was so smooth and beautiful to listen to to put those two two things together mm. was just it was like a really cool song like it got me moving and got me listening and paying attention and i can see why it was a single for mm. sure i can see why as you said it was on triple j all the time because yeah. it was it's something that would resonate like it's pretty awesome because mm. it's got that contrast that you talked about as well so there's a bit in it um, where he goes by the time you hear the next pop, the funk shall be within you. And then there's the pop and it's the gunshot. So it's not a pop as in pop surprise and yay. Like it's, mm. all, it's almost like a like a kid's thing. Like when you hear the next sound, this will happen. It's like, yay, it's fun and it's dancing, but it's a gunshot. So it's sort of the yeah. that nice versus the nasty sort of yeah. thing as well. Definitely. Even the name, because King obviously has very powerful connotations. Mm. And Kunta, I'm pretty sure when I researched this, it was about a slave who... Um, who escaped from his captors a few times. Mm. Um, so I know they use the name in the Roots TV show. That's the yeah. name of the central character, but I don't know if he got, like if that's a more of a historical tale and they got it from Roots from the same place that he got it. I'm maybe, sure. maybe. Yeah. Um, but this this story is about, yeah, this, this slave that, that escapes um, three times and the third time they cut off his foot mm. so that he can't do it anymore, um, which kind of makes sense with the song because mm. everybody want to cut the legs off him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it does It does have a lot of intelligence in it and I do like the way he talks about 
power in the way of like yams and and in metaphors but I think when I deeply looked into this song it's again he's still he's still kind of ignorant to where he needs to be and it's very ego driven it's like him going back to his hometown and being like everybody look at me mm. I'm a king mm-hmm. now it's it's um not quite introspective yet and um yeah he's like proving he's now powerful and mm. top of the food chain yeah because <laughs> a lot of it like obviously he talks a lot about growing up in Compton and a lot of it is that really conflicted relationship between you know can I go back can I try and help more people get out of Compton but is that reflecting, you know, should I be, I can't say I'm too proud to have grown up in Compton. I'm not better than Compton, mm. but maybe I am. Am I better than the people? I don't want to be better, but, I, you know, yeah, I got out of there when I could. Should I yeah. come back? It's And it's, I don't, one of the beautiful things is I don't think he gives any answers. He's mm. not, he doesn't go, oh, I've got this question about where I should be with my life and then go, and here's the answer. And I'm perfectly happy with where I am or yeah. I'm going to do this. Like, it's just the thoughts that are in his head that, you, you know, we all have those questions in our head that don't answer themselves mm. straight away. So he has those same heads and he turned them into a million album sales. We should, <laughs> oh, yeah. We should all be so lucky. Smart boy. Yeah. <laughs> and the next is a very daring title. Mm. Yeah. Institutionalized. Yeah, it is. I and found this, is, this very fascinating, this song. This is a lot of one of those songs that's like lots of little pieces of songs jammed in together. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not one beat that flows all the way through or one style. It's sort of... Yeah, lots of little chunks along yeah. the way. This is like recalling back as well to the history of the music that he's a part of now. Mm. Yeah, this is very much what I got from this was he the, with the samples, the guests, Snoop's the, in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, like I can't, I can't argue with that. I got into so much trouble when I was a kid for having mm. Snoop record uh, record Snoop cassette and playing Ooh. it at school when I was ten years old. Oh, yeah. I can to, imagine. The first, I'd like playing doggy style, like and saying, <laughs> "I'm like this tiny white." Blonde girl right and i'm t- <laughs> telling all my school school friends that i'm a motherfucking hustler you better oh, act somebody <laughs> so that was my like introduction because i had older <laughs> brothers and one came back from america with it with the with doggy style so whenever i hear anything to do with snoop dog slash lion slash whatever he's yeah. going by i'm just I, I get really warm in my heart from my childhood <laughs> which is awesome but like even with the as you said like the samples the artists mm. everything on there is like this is I, this is where i felt like he starts to get introspective more about his music and yeah, he starts brought... getting introspective here yeah. for sure. And you hear the first line of the poem mm. at yeah. this point as well. Yeah. So it's like we're deconstructing now. It's mm. like an introduction. Mm. Yeah, That's one of the things that really is like, you know, it's a marker of a good album is like a lot of times you have Snoop Dogg on as a guest and they put him on a banger dance track yeah. and his really relaxed, stoned out vibe doesn't suit that at all. And you just think they're going, you've just got him there for his name now. Mm-hmm. Whereas Absolutely. this one, it, led in, it played into his laid back vibe and the way he was delivering it. Once upon a time in a city so divine called Westside Compton, there stood a little nigga, he was five foot something. God bless the kid, took his homie to the show, and this is what they said. He delivered part of a thing in the first bit, and then he came back again at the end yeah. to sort of wrap up the story. So I was like, that's how you know when you're on a hot streak on an album, is like you've spotted this guy who is you know quite well known and you've used his exact style of delivery in a way that suits the song really well yeah just because they genuinely fit in yeah, yeah. not because oh big name let's big check name, him let's and it wasn't it. even yeah. a single and it wasn't, yeah that's right yeah. just like hey just hang out yeah we're, we're, we're dudes that hang out they he was part of the 213 so mm. like why wouldn't you have him on yeah. your record and it wasn't even like a really long piece from Snoop Dogg either like the first one is two lines and the second one I think is like six lines so it's not like I need mm. you to come in and carry a piece of this song I just oh need, Kendrick I, doesn't need carry no that's right yeah. I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I just need you to fill these six bars with words yeah yeah here's the story that I want you to tell yeah go. I really like how Kendrick like sometimes uses other people or uses like um a, a few people singing to mm. tell his stories and say the things he wants to say. He doesn't always have to say it through his own voice, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a really powerful vice to use. Mm. Um, instead of saying, I feel like this, yeah. you get lots of different voices. Mm. And it catches the ear as well. If it, could, if it was Kendrick all the way through, I get, you would kind of like 
phase it out at yeah. some point after like 40 minutes but then when another voice comes in it catches your ear and you kind of come back to it um so i think it's yeah it's super cool that he's using um snoop in this song mm. Mm. but in the appropriate manner yes yeah for sure um yeah i d- i did find this song kind of sad in a way because he's he's talking about, he's sharing his new life with his um friends from Compton and the whole song is about um him taking them to the BET awards mm-hmm. and them plotting about stealing things from all of the rich people that are around and um he's kind of confused about his place in the world after after his success and after his fame because the first few songs are him being like yeah i fuck yeah i'm i'm a king now i'm gonna buy all this stuff and then this is where he starts to get introspective and and he brings some of his friends along to this award ceremony and he's he doesn't like the way they're acting and he's confused about it um but also he doesn't fit in with all of the rich Mm. famous Mm -hmm. people just quite yet so he's kind of confused about um the complexities of of fame and fortune and what that means for him in his life it comes with a lot of consequences um which i guess is a good thing to think about if you ever plan on being like rich and famous because some of Um, these tracks were written whilst he was on tour supporting kanye yes yes, and you're like so you're living the high life in your golden jets and everything else and yeah it's got to be confusing to Mm. go five years ago yeah six years ago where you know because he's younger than me Mm. It sucks to be me, like, right? <laughs> Younger than me, but like, yeah, it's got to be a real juxtaposition of going. This mm. is where I was, and these are who I know. This is who I know. Like he was inspired by music by watching um, the oh, which was the there was a Snoop video mm. um, that he watched when being made in the nineties, and yes, and oh, I can't what remember was what it's it? called. Um, but there was a Snoop video like California something anyway um and he watched it being made and was like yeah that's the life i want that's that's the music i want to make and that's and so this album i listened to it and went that's exactly what i grew up listening to yeah all of that stuff and and him harking back at that life Mm. and getting it it's got to be a real mind fuck it would be and also because he talks about that moment of seeing Mm. like snoop and dre and all these people in the car and they're all on this album with him yeah mm. right which is wild it even, <laughs> it even like emphasizes the fact that it's crazy that he this had has about happened. 15 producers and one of them straight and you're like yeah and, like, and i'm thinking back to going def jam man like yeah. <laughs> my, my like this yeah. is my my youth yeah like my misspent youth this is awesome mm. so it but for a, a black guy an african-american who's saying who sees successful african-americans mm. that's positive that's like they were they had all the riches they had this fame yeah. or they were getting there and stuff and it's but to actually achieve that mm. and when he's talking about his friends who are still at the point of going i'm now i'm gonna make you look bad almost yeah. it's yeah it's funny i feel like they're not even trying to though it's just so deeply ingrained in mm-hmm. them whenever you're around rich people you plot to mm. steal something from them because <laughs> they're not they're not used to it they're from compton which is a full full-on hood like yeah. there's no wealth there and yeah it 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 must be a crazy contrast i don't know i, I can't remember how many years it took for kanye to go from. Uh, sorry kendrick to go from um like compton life straight up i mm. feel like it would have been a matter of like one or two years yeah it wouldn't have taken long um mm-hmm. But that is such a short amount of time to have to deal with that amount of change. And he was a real good kid at school too. He was a straight A student. Yeah. Like he was like a good kid, straight A student. As far as I know, didn't get particularly into trouble or do anything. He hadn't but he and he went on to become like idolized people like Tupac. Yeah. And who was one of the who was the influence for the name of the album mm. and stuff. And you're mm. like, that's pretty awesome but also sad because you're like the people that you idolize are the ones who were were gangbangers and stuff like Mm. back in the day and because is that the only life you can do but he was still a straight a student yeah good for you kendrick like yeah that's cool although i don't i do think he did get into some trouble when he was younger there are some stories he tells in his 
um, in his songs that you never know if they are true. <laughs> um, but he was, even if he wasn't involved, he was definitely, the people around him, his family, were all um, involved in gangbanging and mm-hmm. with drugs. And Good Kid, Mad City, there's like a picture, the, the album cover is him sitting in, with his family he's well he's a baby in this in the cover and there's like drugs on the table and there's like a gun in someone's pocket and it's quite a hectic um hectic imagery so although he was like a very good kid I think he did get into some trouble and I mean it definitely showed in Good Kid Mad City with that story of them going after people with guns yeah for sure but um but yeah I think I think mostly he was a good kid though. I, to, I just kind of like <laughs> just to a think product of, him of his neighborhood. Adorable, like straight A student. Yeah, just like, I just want to make music, man. Yeah. Like that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> so, what other songs were really influential that you want to cover? Well, I'd really like to talk about "All Right" because mm-hmm. it kept, it became such a huge part of um, Black American history um, because it the album and the song kind of came out around the time where it was coming to light that a lot of um, white police officers were killing unarmed black people Mm -hmm. and there were so many protests and the Black Lives Matter movement came out around the same time that the song came out and it became a protest song Um, which I don't think Kendrick planned it but it's kind of the perfect yeah like that hook mm-hmm. is kind of the perfect thing to be chanting. When you know we've been nerving down before, nigga, when our pride was low, looking at the world like where do we go, nigga, and we hate poor poor, wanna kill us dead in the street for sure, nigga, I'm at the preacher's door, my knees getting weak and my gun might blow, but we gon' be alright, alright, nigga, we gon' be alright, nigga, we gon' be alright, we gon' be alright. he finds in the song he finds like strength and solidarity in the black community and and in that shared experience and um yeah it was it was used at protests and i think that's incredible Mm. this is another one of those ones that he's got that that machine gun delivery of like really fast really intense like not all the way through it but Mm. there are parts where he's just like he locks down onto that rhythm and then in his mind you can see just like burning like you can see imagine this fire burning behind his eyes and just like this is my really aggressive side. This is where I get angry at the things that make me angry. Yes. Not necessarily about my, like he's not necessarily one of the most introspective ones, but this is where I'm, yeah, I'm angry at the outside world and the factors that are causing me to feel that anger. Mm, which mm. is justifiable. And yeah, yeah. It, and totally makes sense that it became part of the, like, Black Lives Matter mm. movement. Yeah. And so there are lyrics in there do about the popo. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we hate the popo, want to kill us in the street, full show is the lyric yeah and a lot of people use that uh lyric when they're talking about what it's like to be out there to protest and to be or to not even protest to just exist in Mm. the world they're saying they just they want to they want to kill us Mm. yeah and that's really strong lyrics for a really popular album so strong i think a lot of people it sparked a bit of outrage amongst the white community because they were like he's encouraging people to hate cops but he kind of came out and was like you're killing people. Yeah. I'm just reacting to that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you stop that, yeah. I don't need to write don't this need to anymore. talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'm not going out and killing people. I'm in the booth. I'm talking about it in the mm. booth. So, yeah. Um, but it's also a really nice um, comeback after you, which I think we should also talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. you is just so heart-wrenching. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those ones that I can't listen to unless I'm, like, ready for it. Um, and it's one of the first times where he's, like, fully looking inward Mm. um and he's going through this internal uh internal turmoil um that he's been repressing for a long time where he's unable to to hold it any longer and i think like you said before he was in a hotel room during the kanye west tour and i think this was one Mm -hmm. of the ones he wrote literally in a hotel room when he was having a breakdown um and in the song even the samples of like um a maid coming and knocking on the door Mm. and he's kind of drunken and you can hear the bottles and um yeah when I was researching it it said it was triggered by um the death of three of his friends over one summer Mm. while he was away um on tour and uh his little teenage sister got pregnant 
as well mm. while he was away. And he felt so ashamed that he was away trying to trying to preach all this good but couldn't help his own community and his own family. Yeah. And it was like the, the survivor's guilt of getting out of Compton. Mm. Survivor's guilt is actually a really good kind of terminology for that. Mm. I think he says it explicitly, I think. Yeah. It's not in this song earlier. Yeah, in a different song. He talks about yeah, having survivor's song. guilt. Definitely. Um, yeah, and that the the music on that one as well. So it's all like horns and this 80s synthy guitar and it's all just yeah. like that chaotic maelstrom of stuff and he's mm. just wailing and whining and it's just, yeah, it doesn't, mm. it's not like a big beat or something you can just easily attach yourself to as well. Loving you is complicated. 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 I place blame when you steal. Place shame when you steal. Feel like you ain't shit. Feel like you don't feel confidence in yourself. Breaking no marble floors. Watching anonymous strangers telling me that I'm yours. It's it's just yeah, heart wrenching that one. Mm. <laughs> and so the other thing I also like back on for sale as well is that we um oh no sorry in all right is we get the introduction of Lucy, which yes. obviously becomes yeah. a really huge character in the next couple of songs as well, Hugely. especially in for sale is just yeah. Yeah, so, um, something I like about the the um, Lucy and Uncle Sam is mm. Kendrick kind of defeats Uncle Sam in one verse and then Lucy comes in in the next verse in one of the songs. I think it's in All Right. Okay. And it, I just think that's like a really good comment on the temptations and that, you know, you can defeat them in one way, but they'll find a different way to mm. come around and show themselves in a different form, but yeah. it will be the same temptations. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of less, I guess, less of a patriotic aggressor and more of a, just an internal, like this is you fighting mm. your own battles and fighting against your own will and your own um, instincts, really. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Oh, and these walls is something I'd really like to talk mm -hmm. about. So I find this one is, it starts with like a wailing woman. first listened to it I couldn't work out if it was um in pleasure or in mm. pain yeah and I was kind of I couldn't work it out and I, I found that really strange because I was thinking well you'd want to you'd want one or the other but actually it's perfect for what he's talking about because this is this is um it's actually connected to Good Kid Mad City it's Kendrick getting revenge on the man who killed his friend's little brother in Good Kid Mad City and um, it's him wanting to inflict pain upon him because he's in jail for killing Dave. Um, and he takes advantage of his baby mama and has sex with her. Um, and it's kind of taking advantage of the fact that he's a rapper and he can have sex with anyone if he wants to. And, and taking advantage of this single mo mother's grief about her child growing up without his father. Mm. Um, but it really, it's, it's very tragic and it kind of shows no matter how much money or success he has, he'll always be human and, and come back to those hood mentality of getting revenge. And, um, you know, fame doesn't give you a new start. It's still going to bring you back to um, all the... Well, fame, I think fame and money makes you the most potent version of yourself because mm. you can have whatever you want yeah so <laughs> that um, freedom is mm. intoxicating yeah so it's kind of like the temptation of of revenge through sex and and he gives into it mm. and i think this is the first time he references depression directly in, okay in the album mm. as well and you're like because i know that he talks about racial movements i know he talks about depression and his own internalized hatred and stuff but i yeah. think i think this is a, a the spoken word 
at the end just discussing like just talking about the depression depression around it mm. Mm-hmm. Which it, it, again was a single. Yeah, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have to assume there was some kind of radio edit of the single that, that was like because because yeah. you've got the moaning at the start, so it's almost like a horror theme at the start. It so it's is. like it's her. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was sex or like not, a ghost like... kind of wailing. Yeah. And then the if these walls can talk bit starts really soft, mm. and it's a cor- and it's a choir of people, and then it slowly starts growing louder and louder. So it's mm. like if you think you're like you're in a haunted house, With and then clicks. there's these things of like yeah, if the these walls clicks, can talk. Yeah. If these like you think, oh my god, I'm freaking out just standing yeah. here right now, and then yes. and then that stops, and now it's a funk song. Mm. Yeah, like the mm. the lyrics are always really sort of dark and introspective, but the music is like a Prince party funk song. It's just yeah. so the it's dichotomy G-funk, again. Yeah. yeah, taking it back. It is so yeah. weird and awesome in like in its weirdness. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Uh, you've got to imagine because I think there's got to be radio edits because there's so many things like. Even with I, which is starts off as a solid like party tune, mm. that mm. one then devolves into an acapella. Yeah, into, into this a, acapella, a yeah. car park acapella. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, <laughs> do you really like that's your first single? So do you release that fully, or do yeah. you release yeah. a version of it? Well, there's and obviously should... the two different versions. Yeah, yeah. Because that was another one that I recognised before I knew it was a single. I was like, oh no, I know this song. I, yeah. I remember the first half of it. But if this was on the radio, I would damn sure have remembered a yeah. car park a cappella part. And Definitely. I'm pretty sure yeah. that wasn't there. <laughs> like, so. You're Kendrick Lamar. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think it, he's used Definite this entire record as art. Yeah. Like, like the mm. whole thing is like an homage and art and like the most, in, one of the most introspective like hip hop like rap records that mm. I've, I've heard. It yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. And I think we'll just quickly touch on just the last song. Obviously, it's got Mortal Man, which yeah. is the first part of it is like almost like a bit of a summary about once again his introspective side mm. and looking about and thinking about himself. And then the second half of it is a conversation with, with Tupac. Tupac. Yeah. Yeah. And the beauty of it is so there was the, the Tupac bits are cut from a television interview that he did. So mm. Kendrick gets to ask him questions that are, I guess, aren't exactly the same as what the news questions were, but enough to have the conversation back and forth. Yeah. And then he goes and he does his whole big spiel just on his own. Hey, what do you think of this? And then he explains what Spimper Butterfly is, explains the poem, explains everything about it. Yeah. And then he goes, and what do you think about that? And there's just silence in response. So yeah. it's sort of, this is the moment where I've got to go and be my own thing because the ghosts of the past and the people in the past who helped me get where I am, mm. they, aren't, they aren't here anymore and I've got to go and figure things out for myself. And once again, no answers. So yeah. the end of the album is a question, not an answer. Yeah. Definitely. I love the way you've deconstructed that. I mm. think that's really cool. I also felt um felt like it was it was a bit of a comment on his death as mm. well. Mm-hmm. Like he had so much more to say. Yeah. Um and he was I I do obviously Tupac was like a, a huge influence on this album and there's so many references to him yeah. throughout this whole thing. Yeah. And um yeah, and it does feel like such a shame that um, that we didn't get to see what he was going to do. Um, but I do feel like Kendrick has kind of taken on his work in a way because a lot, a lot of the album, especially towards the end few songs, is about like colorism and black on black violence and how silly it is and mm. how we need to band together and be a community. And, um, Which he was called out for, like yeah. as well by the by some people in the Black Lives Move, uh, Black Lives Matter community, yeah. just saying, don't call us out for our own stuff. You know, just focus on the people, focus on the white guys that are yeah. doing it. And he was like, but holding his hands up, going, "This is my story." Yeah, I'm just telling my story. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is my opinions. Yeah, I mean, if I, I kind of, I'm with Kendrick on that. I think if if um, black people stopped fighting with each other there there would be a lot you're 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 stronger together always Mm. um yeah and if nothing else then it would give white conservatives one less thing to come back at i know like well blacks are killing each other yeah that's right why does no one talk about black on black violence like all right if we talk about it and we fix it will you shut the fuck up yeah (laughs) fix the other stuff as well yeah exactly yeah it was a really um Usually with a record like this, you'd have some banger at the end going, this is the end of the record, boom, Mm. it's the end of the record. And I accidentally had my um, phone set to like go back to the beginning of the record. And so it it finished 
And then I was like, oh, and I didn't realize where I was like, oh, okay. So, and then it started again. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is the finish. And I was like, wait, I've, I've heard this before. Yeah. And I was like, wait, that was the end that of the, the end. record. Yeah. That's Such a gentle 12 end. minutes. Mm. And as just this incredible conversation. And mm. oh, yeah, I just was listening to it going, well, that's, you still sold a kajillion records yeah <laughs> and that's how you finish it like so if that's if that is one of the most important poetic things to empower young people that look up to you yeah so basically not, universally acknowledges the number one album of the year ended with a seven minute conversation mm. yeah which between and between quite two people political who weren't there, conversation yeah. as well <laughs> like making people listen mm. to the things that matter mm. So do you have any final remarks? We've kind of gone through. We couldn't go through every single song because we only have one podcast. so much to talk about. <laughs> I know, right? There's just, so, just so much to go, going on on this record. Um, do you have some final stuff that you wanted to say about it? Because, like, for me, it was awesome that I got to listen back to uh, some of these people that I'd been listening to when I was mm. a young person. Um, so what were your final takes? Oh, my final takes. Um, I just think it's important what he's doing. I think um, despite all the politicalness, it was very inspiring to me as a musician and as a producer to see someone spend so much time and put so much thought into every aspect of an album. Mm. Um, And I would love to do that one day um, and create something so incredibly intricate um and fearlessly put it out into the world even though like we've talked about before a maybe a dance banger mm. would have been easier to consume i think the the butterfly um caterpillar cocoon poetry at the end is very important mm. to remind people um that you don't always have to be a product of your circumstance and when you do get successful, you can use it to help your community. Mm. And I think it's it's he is a good influence and a good leader for other artists that are going through the same thing as him because I'm sure there's, there's a lot of rappers in the world mm. that are doing well to give back to their communities and, um, yeah, save save their, their souls and yeah. their um, happiness by giving back yeah cool awesome so liam yes what was your final take and i'm gonna ask the important question of would you have put this album down as flawless Mm -hmm. this is my question to you (laughs) i just didn't Um, pose it very well a couple of quick things before we do before we do get there the album cover is one of the most amazing album covers i've ever seen Mm. everyone should check it out it is crazy good we didn't talk about it we're going deep dive but it's really great um (laughs) And also, how much a dollar costs? Yes. Uh, very, very quickly. Piano and the backing melody very seemed to me very modelled after Pyramid Song by Radiohead. It is. Which, which it was, is literally a huge influence. That's what I looked up, yeah. but I tried searching that, and then all the things I found were just Reddit people yelling at each other about whether it was or it wasn't. Really? It's like it couldn't be. It doesn't have all eighteen of the piano notes and one more note. All right, Dude. let's just calm down a bit. So, Don't yeah. go to Reddit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that when I googled it, that's all. all the first things that were came that came up. Okay, so back to the question of whether or not I think it's flawless. Uh, take the shortcut and I'll say yes, that it is. Uh, I really, really loved it. Like the first listen, like it just, it hits you just straight away how important it is, how in, like he's not, he's um, macho and the braggadocio of having that the success, but it, it's wafer thin. And you can tell even when he's being like that, he knows that it's wafer thin and he's just waiting for that one moment to bring it all tumbling down. And then he does that to himself over the course of the album, brings himself down. Yeah. He has battles with himself about whether or not he can he can or should save people from his old neighborhood. Like, What's the role of someone coming back and saying, hey, this place is really shit. I'm going to try and save people out of it versus actually everybody grows up here. So what right do you have to come back and say? So there's just, there's just so much stuff and... It's this mishmash of styles. It's like retro soul, funk, jazz, it's soundscapes, it's neo-noir trumpet, it's lounge music. Mm. It's just so many different producers. Like you shouldn't have one producer per song and have the album still work together. Like I can't imagine any other style of music where you could get one producer per song and have it work, but it works and it's just amazing. And 
you know, I can say it's really important. Like that's something that I just discovered, but I think everybody knows and I'm here to say that, yeah, it's thumbs up from me. Awesome. Okay. George. Over to me. Over that's to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, the how I wanted to hear Compton represented in a record. So um, it took me back. I can't believe I've not listened to this before. I was expecting, as I said, like just the tip of I was expecting the Yeezy kind of stuff and yeah. was, that's why I was I'd, I think I'd avoided his name just because of the association and hadn't actively listened to anything in the genre for a long time so um, I listened to it and I got throwbacks to so much stuff which I know he did deliberately like just to say like in homage to um, artists before him in blues and funk and rap and hip hop oh, just everything it was awesome um, so and as we talked about there's too many lyrics we'd have to literally recite the record mm-hmm. yeah. to say oh this lyric's important yeah. and insert it here and it's yeah. just just go and listen go yeah. and listen to it but go and pick up the lyrics at the same time and mm-hmm. listen to it so for me it was a flawless record awesome yes. so that's three for three, yeah. three for amazing three. nice yes so thank you so much yeah no problem fantastic. uh this has been very cathartic getting out all the information that i <laughs> had in my head yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like we should have all just been like in lounge chairs drinking yeah. like and smoking cigars and oh, talking yes. about it like having that kind of conversation just before we wrap up where can people find you online and where can they find out your stuff oh well i have a facebook page which is facebook.com slash jamila music which is j-a-m-i-l-l-a and also instagram emily jamila and you can find me on spotify on apple music all that stuff my songs are there awesome. highly recommend listening yes, to you check that out that's so been, beautiful that's fantastic mm, thank the, you the things yeah. that we talked about today just like coming from a woman's perspective about some of like the impact mm. of being a, like a woman of color talking about that i just love it so definitely go mm. listen to jamila's music <laughs> which i'd already written down as something to say but i'm glad that you asked her, so thank you um okay so we are at the end of this awesome flawless episode so thank you everyone for listening we we have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Um, we are Flawless AMP on all of those. So you can join the conversation, share, like our posts, and give us a rating, let other people know how awesome we are. That'd be lovely. And as mentioned, we have the Patreon that you can support us at patreon.com slash Flawless AMP. And you can back us and maybe we'll give you some awesome footage of stuff and things. Yeah, we haven't actually gotten to recording any of the bonus content yet, but trust us, when, once we get some more people in there we will definitely do it absolutely so uh thank you so much to our guest jamila you've yes, been you. an absolute star thank you for having me hurrah and uh also thank you for listening to flawless